Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Central Florida Film Review. So, as always, cannot thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast, and I want to apologize for taking so long to release a new episode. I just graduated college about two weeks ago with a bachelor's degree, and I just got a new job, so things have been a little bit hectic lately, but we're back, and this time we're back to stay, and we will get back to a schedule and a rhythm, don't you worry. And I wanted to let you guys know, quick announcement, there's been a slight change in plans. Last time we spoke to each other, I told you that I was going to do a part two of Batman Mask of the Phantasm and my review thereof. But to be honest, it's such a good movie that it takes forever to explain because the story is so rich with plot and detail. And so I'll just sum it up by saying, watch Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It is one of the best Batman movies that does not have a physical person in it. It is amazing. Meanwhile, the film that we're going to review for this episode is the one and only classic from 1999, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. You guys are going to love it. As always, we are going to take you on a journey back in time, back to what some people consider part of the golden age of films, to a time when I was only four years old, and when some of you we're graduating high school. Ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasure, this is our review of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So let me start with a little background information, and then we'll work our way into the official theatrical trailer that was used to promote this film some 21 years ago. In 1999, George Lucas came back for the first time in years and released a new Star Wars movie. It was the first time a Star Wars film had been put into American theaters since 1983 when the last when sorry, when Return of the Jedi was first released to crowds of adoring fans all around the world. And in 1999, not only did George Lucas release Star Wars Episode 1, but of course, as you and I both know, that was the beginning of the prequel trilogy. The three films that would tell the story of how Anakin Skywalker went from being the son of a slave and a slave himself on the desert planet of Tatooine to being a hero for the Republic and eventually the Republic's greatest enemy. You guys, let's start off by listening to the awesome epic and beautiful composition of audio and different music clips and different film footage, although you guys won't be able to see that part, that is the trailer for The Phantom Menace. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is, the original 1999 film trailer for Star Wars Episode One.
You refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force. You believe it's this boy? He can see things before they happen. He can help you. The force is unusually strong with him. He was meant to help you. Anakin! Tell him to take off! Will I ever see you again? What does your heart tell you? Are you sure about this? Trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know? Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Okay, so what I'd like to have us go over first for this episode, you guys, is let's take a look at some of the music. Uh, the music that I'm about to sh have you listen to is the song Duel of the Fates by John Williams. Now, most of you will remember this song. If you don't remember the name, you'll remember it when you hear it. It is featured closer toward the end of the film when... Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi are fighting Darth Maul in the now very famous lightsaber battle. And this is some of the orchestral music in the background as we see them fighting and kicking each other's you-know-whats on screen. Let's check it out. Wow, guys, uh, I have to be honest, beautiful music, amazing music. Uh, I mean, as always, John Williams is an amazing composer, and in my opinion, he's one of the greatest modern composers ever, because if you look at the contribution that he's made to the film industry, that was where he developed his career. I mean, this is the man that gave us the music, the soundtrack, to Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jaws, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, I think War of the Worlds. I mean, this guy has done so many films that it is insane. It is insane. He's done the music for so many epic, amazing films that it is absolutely staggering. And it's just, it's amazing, you know. And hey, good for him, man. Way to have a career, you know. 
I love John Williams. I'm a huge fan. He's a national treasure. Uh, one thing that you'll notice about this song is that the, the you know the epic choir, uh, I believe that's called a Greek choir or a Russian choir or something. I forget the exact name of it, but when you combine that with the instruments and you combine that with the subtle notes of the flutes and the clarinets and the woodwinds with the support of the trombones and the tubas and the trumpets and the brass instruments and the French horns, it all blends together so perfectly that when you watch it on screen as the lightsaber battle is going on, it's the perfect choice. He made the perfect choices when he was writing the music and composing it for the lightsaber battle between Qui-Gon Jinn Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul. It all just blends together seamlessly. Now, a lot of people, in my opinion, don't give the prequel films credit the way they should because they say, oh, well, the prequels suck because the stories are rushed and there's too much technology used and not enough of the practical effects that made the original trilogy of Star Wars so fantastic. I will agree that they should have dialed it back on the CGI and the green screen. Yeah, okay. That's true. But some of the best lightsaber battles in the history of Star Wars happen in episodes 1, 2, and 3. So I think we should cut them some slack and at least give them credit for the music and the lightsaber battles and how awesome those were. Just saying. So, yeah, awesome music, as always. Definitely one of the reasons why I would actually recommend this film, even though some might find that an unpopular opinion. And I want to move on now, and let's focus on dialogue and on scene choices. What I'm about to have you guys listen to is a scene in the film where Palpatine, uh, Senator Palpatine, of course, who, as you all know, is Darth Sidious, is somewhere on the planet Coruscant, and he is talking to Darth Maul at night. And this is the only time in the movies we hear Darth Maul speak until they come out with... Well, yeah, at first it was the only time that we heard Darth Maul talk in the films. And we wouldn't hear him again until years later say any words... In uh, we would not sorry we would not hear him again speaking until Star Wars: The Clone Wars, the animated cartoon series, and then in Solo, a Star Wars story. So originally, this was his first time ever saying a word, and it's the only time in Episode One that he speaks for the whole film. So pay attention to this. Tatooine is sparsely populated. If the trace was correct, I will find them quickly, Master. Move against the Jedi first. You will then have no difficulty in taking the Queen to Naboo to sign the treaty. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. I have to say, that actually 
that actually was a great piece of dialogue. I do feel like it was a little bit rushed, though. I feel like the director, George Lucas, and the others who were supervising the shot told them to talk a little too fast. Because you can understand everything that they're saying, but the scene just feels slightly rushed. The music was great. I love that you can hear the sounds of the ships passing by overhead, the spaceships and the different speeders and the passenger liners. I like all that. And I like the lights uh, because it's, you know, it's nighttime on the planet. But I noticed that when you listen to the sentences, you know, move against the Jedi first, then you will have no trouble taking the queen, you know, it all just, it feels like it's happening a little bit fast. Feels like it's just happening a little bit fast, and, you know, it's so hard to resist the urge to be sarcastic with Palpatine, because at the end, you can hear Palpatine, and he says, and I quote, You have been well trained, my young apprentice. There will be no match for you. There will be no match for you. And then when you know, which which we all know, what happens to Darth Maul at the end, and... What happens to him again in the cartoons? It's like, uh, yeah, listen, uh, Palpy, buddy, about that. Uh, you may have invested a little too much in this guy. He might have been a little bit outgunned because, uh, apparently, no, Kenobi was a match for him. Obi-Wan <laughs> was a freaking match. More than match.com. Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, really a great part of the movie where it's the first time that we hear Darth Maul speak. And it's actually also the last time that we hear Darth Maul speak throughout the entire film. (coughs) Because during his battle with Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan, he doesn't say a word. He just looks at them with a villainous scowl and red face paint. Doesn't say anything. And we don't actually hear... Darth Maul speak again until Star Wars The Clone Wars like you know which is let's see that season would have been I guess 16 years later 17 years after the film you know so I think it helps add to the mystery of Darth Maul that he's so quiet because he's this badass he's got the red face and the black face and the horns coming out of his head because he's uh, because you know his species looks like that and I think it just adds to the excellent design of the character and the choices made to craft the character visually. So yeah, some some great stuff there. Great exposition. Uh, what I want to move on to now is let's listen to the space battles. One of the things that people have usually always loved in Star Wars was the space battles. And I really think this one's not that bad. Is it as good as the Battle of Endor and Return of the Jedi? No, but this one really isn't terrible. And I think that the space battles are something that people don't give the prequels enough credit for. Because episodes 1, 2, and 3 all had some really good battles. Uh, I mean, episodes one and episode three have some of the best space battle effects ever, you know, so let's let's calm down a little bit, guys. I mean, this is a really great space battle. Check this out. 
was killed. You did it, R2! Okay, let's go left! Go back? Qui-Gon told me to stay in this cockpit, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'll try spinning, that's a good trick. I know we're in trouble, just hang on! Well, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to Central Florida Film Review. I'm just going to call it a night, and I'm just going to say for this episode, would I recommend The Phantom Menace? Yes. Is it as good as The Empire Strikes Back? No. But is it really as terrible a movie as some people say it is? Honest, Honestly, no. It's really not that bad. I give it a solid... 7.5 out of 10, 8 out of 10, really. I do think that there are some things that people just don't give it credit for. And I I would recommend it if you haven't seen it somehow by some tragedy. Watch it. And hey, if you're feeling a little bit nostalgic, then give it a look. I will talk about Jar Jar Binks and some of the other elephants in the science fiction room in next week's episode when I do a review of Star Wars Episode 2, The, uh, the Attack, of, Attack of the Clones. Uh, next week I'll do a, a review and, and analysis of Star Wars Episode 2. And guys, thank you so much. Have a great night. Please consider following Central Florida Film Review on our Facebook page, and stay tuned for more updates as we continue this wonderful journey into the wide, wide world of movies.